here. Want to let our kids know you're staying here with moms and dads uh, for big church today in worship, so we're glad that you are here. I'd like to introduce our guest preacher, but she's really not a guest. She's really part of our extended uh, ZPC family. It's Nancy Frick. Nancy served as a minister intern to ZPC from the fall of last year through the spring of this year. She did a great job, made hospital visits, maybe visited some of you if you were in the hospital, assisted in worship, she taught Sunday school classes, taught our youth and choirs, was on our generosity team, really became part of our extended family, as I said. She's a student at Christian Theological Seminary. And Nancy, come on up. She's bringing our message today on Luke 2. Thanks, Nancy, for being here. Appreciate it. Good morning. It's really wonderful to be here. I feel very at home here, and uh, you all are very special to me. Uh, Will you join me in reading God's word this morning? The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. In the region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, open our hearts to understand this very familiar story in fresh new ways this morning. Move us to respond to the good news of Bethlehem with joyful hearts. We pray that the meditation prepared for this lesson may honor you and be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you remember what you were doing on July 22, 2013? If you're not a royal watcher, you may not, but most people in England do. An announcement appeared on an easel outside Buckingham Palace in accordance with royal tradition, announcing the birth of the heir to the throne, Prince George, the infant son of Prince William and the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate. Following the official announcement, there was a press release, gun salutes, the bells of Westminster Abbey rung. Various landmarks around the country were bathed in blue light, 
and even a coin was minted for the occasion. The curious and enthralled from around the world were glued to their TV sets and the internet, hoping to catch a glimpse of the royal infant and his handsome young parents. Now that's what we might call a worthy reception, worthy of a royal prince and a future king. Many of us remember the excitement of sending out birth announcements at the arrival of our own children or receiving the announcement of birth from a friend or relative. I remember how fun it was to pick out the birth announcements for the much-anticipated arrival of our son, Evan, following the heartache of infertility. For my husband and me and our then almost 10-year-old daughter, it was great news we could hardly wait to share with our friends and family. The years of surgeries, medications, and miscarriages were behind. That announcement was very special. Birth announcements have come a long way since then. Announcing a birth, in fact, is quite an industry in this country. There are printed invitations. You can text people with a picture of the new baby or a video announcement set to music. When we receive a birth announcement, no matter what the format, we can't help but feel honored to be among those included on the list of friends and family. We share in the celebration of such good news with the happy couple. And so in this story of Luke, we learn about the amazing, incredible, one-of-a-kind birth announcement of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. Talk about good news. Right away, we are aware that this is no ordinary announcement because nearly everything in this story turns the world on its head. First of all, there are angels involved. Angels are God's special messengers, so when they appear, it's a signal that something big and unusual is happening. We've met angels before in times of extraordinary intervention in the Bible. Angels stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac. Angels protected the Israelites when they fled from Egypt. An angel informed Zechariah of the birth of his son, John the Baptist. And the angel Gabriel greeted Mary with the news that she had found favor with God and had been chosen to bear the Son of the Most High. Now an angel delivers Jesus' birth announcement and is joined by a whole multitude of the heavenly host singing glory to God. Now we know how great the ZPC choir is. They are awesome. But imagine this. Angels in 3D. Angels in surround sound. Angels lighting up the sky. What a sight. No wonder the shepherds were terrified at first. This news is big, all right. But do you notice a few strange things in this story? Like, why Bethlehem? It's a place we hear a lot about this time of year, but it's kind of an odd place for the birthplace of the Prince of Peace. It's a relatively small town, about five miles south of Jerusalem, perhaps a little bit like Sheridan is to Indianapolis. It's ordinary, a ho-hum community, except for perhaps its one claim to fame as David's hometown. But now it is lifted up as the site of something spectacular, the glorious inbreaking of heaven on earth, the site of the division of time from before and after. 
In Bethlehem, the course of history and our lives are changed in Bethlehem. We come face to face with Christ, the Son of God. There are three particular circumstances that I think are really interesting in this passage and demonstrate the upside-down world of Bethlehem where the rules of the world are broken. In the Broadway show, The Addams Family, the original cartoon and TV show story of a decidedly wacky family, it's set to music. In one scene, Daughter Wednesday pleads with the family to please act normal as she's bringing her boyfriend home for dinner. The character Uncle Fester challenges, define normal. Indeed, in Bethlehem too, paradigms are broken. There is no normal. We notice the first people who are, that hear the good news are surprisingly shepherds. Really, that is so out of place in biblical times. In ancient times, the birth of a king was heralded by poets and orators declaring peace and prosperity to government leaders, the educated and elite of the land, not shepherds. That would be like angels announcing the birth of Jesus to farmers harvesting corn in Shelby County instead of going to the PCUSA General Assembly, the Vatican, the governor's office, or the educated religious communities of Indianapolis. What do dirty, smelly shepherds who live in the fields know of such heavenly things? The birth of the Messiah was a long-expected tradition among the Israelites, much anticipated by Jewish scholars and leaders, prophesied in Micah 5, which says, But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Surely those learned in the Jewish law should be the first to know. But no, that's not how things happen in Bethlehem. God doesn't choose to share the news with them, nor is it shared with royalty, high government officials, or even eyewitness news. Jesus' birth announcement is delivered instead to a bunch of ordinary guys Shepherds just out doing their shepherd thing, literally minding their own business, watching over their flocks on a hillside near Bethlehem. This was not a random accident, though. These shepherds were chosen by God to hear this earth-shattering news. But why? Well, shepherds have great symbolism in the Old Testament. Shepherd was a well-known metaphor for God, as in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. God is touchingly pictured as our caretaker, our protector, our rescuer. In Isaiah 40, we're told that God will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. God is the caring, compassionate shepherd of God's people. These are images meant to bring comfort and peace. God is with us in all things, as Jesus will be. And there is another famous shepherd in the Old Testament, of course, King David. Jesus is born in Bethlehem, the city of David, where David was anointed king. Jesus was born in a stable, a place familiar to shepherds. Their unassuming presence, no doubt, 
brought reassurance as well as company, comfort, and peace to Mary and Joseph. Shepherds of Jesus' time were not educated, wealthy, or influential. They were poor, humble people like Mary and Joseph. In Bethlehem, Jesus comes to the unexpected in the midst of their day-to-day lives. People going around doing their business, taking care of their jobs, looking after their families. These were the witnesses chosen by God to see the glorious sight of angels lighting up the sky, the transformation of an ordinary field into a stage for the glory of God. And look who God chooses for the important task of bearing God's son. No queen or princess was selected. There was no application process. And a panel of America's Got Talent wasn't employed to select the most talented or beautiful contestant. There was nothing extraordinary about Mary to the outside world. She was just a young girl, a teenager really, betrothed to a regular guy named Joe. Yet God chose Mary for this high honor and amazing responsibility. In Bethlehem, those whom the world think of as weak are lifted up. There would have been no privacy in an inn for the birth of a child, so the young couple had few options for housing in Bethlehem with Mary in labor. A cave behind the inn used to shelter the animals was a likely choice. No royal midwives attended the birth. Mary didn't even have the comforting presence and wisdom of her own mother. Scared and alone with an inexperienced husband, we can imagine that Mary was very humbled by the birth and perhaps overwhelmed by what lay before her, not only the birth of God's son, but also the responsibilities for his upbringing, his care, and his safety. When Mary and Joseph are visited by the shepherds in Bethlehem and told of what the shepherds had seen and heard, Mary's response may be surprising, especially when we compare it to that of the shepherds. The shepherds glorified and praised God, maybe rather loudly and boisterously. But Mary, the new mother, had little to say. Instead, she treasured their words and pondered them in her heart. Perhaps Mary was experiencing all of the emotions of new motherhood, a mixture of fear and joy that is familiar to all mothers. The shepherd's report was a confirmation for Mary, a sign for her that all that the angel Gabriel had shared with her nine months before had been true. That's a lot to take in. And then there is the great irony of an all-powerful God born as a helpless, tiny infant. God could have chosen any time in history, any place, and any number of ways for Jesus to enter the world. A glorious appearance in the sky, floating down from heaven, scepter in hand, riding on a larger-than-life stallion, leading an army of angels. Those images are not at all out of line with what the Jewish leaders expected in their Messiah a warrior, a powerful king who would rescue and redeem them. After all, all things are within God's power. But instead, Bethlehem. Can you imagine a more vulnerable way to appear on the scene than as an unknown, tiny, helpless infant 
completely dependent on others for warmth, food, safety, and love. God surrendered completely, sending his son into the world without an entourage, without an ounce of protection, with literally nothing. Wow. We've heard and sung the story of the shepherds in the field so many times that it's easy to lose sight of what Luke is trying to say to us and how astounding it really is. Here is the heart of Luke's message. God doesn't work like the world does. God comes to those who least expect a visit from angels. God is with those the world considers unimportant and operates in ways the world doesn't consider normal. In Bethlehem, small, unassuming heroes like Frodo the Hobbit are chosen to carry the ring. If you're looking for traditional heroes, heralds, trumpets, lights, royal birth announcements, you're going to miss the wow and the truth of this amazing story. Luke invites us all to Bethlehem to come to see for ourselves this amazing occurrence. Jesus, our Savior, is born in a shepherd's town, a shepherd of those whom God favors. That's you. That's us. Real, ordinary people. But there's a warning in fine print on Luke's birth announcement. Pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that there are only two places where the powerful and the great in this world lose their courage and tremble in the depths of their soul and become truly afraid. These are the manger and the cross of Jesus Christ. In the little town of Bethlehem, the mighty aren't on the birth announcement list, and the rich are not recognized. In a culture that believed that wealth and power signified blessings from God, that's quite a reversal. Instead, the playing field is leveled. The contrast is made very clear between what God and the world see as important. For God is with the poor, the suffering, and the hungry, right there with Mary, Joseph, and the scruffy old shepherds. And that is where we're called to be too. Something happens when we gaze in the manger, we who dare to believe the impossible. It may happen today, tomorrow, or the day after that. But our world, like Bethlehem, eventually gets turned upside down. Through Christ, God reverses the order of things. What we once thought was important in life is not. What is great and powerful in the world is made low. What we consider to be signs of success and accomplishment is nothing but dust in the wind. Have you been to Bethlehem? Have you seen the face of Jesus? Recognizing your own brokenness, forgiveness at great expense, seeing something in a new and different light are all souvenirs of a Bethlehem experience. If you've been there, that's why you're here today. Are you awed and amazed at what you've seen, like the shepherds were? Energized and gleeful at this wonderful, great news. Maybe you are one who eagerly tells your friends and shares this story. 
Or you may be more like Mary, more on the reserved side, thoughtful and quiet, but deliberate and faithful. Whatever your response, after visiting Bethlehem, your world is supposed to be turned upside down. Former CEO of the fine China company Lennox, called Richard Stearns, was living the good life. Stearns grew up in poverty and worked hard for all of his accomplishments. Educated at the Wharton School with a beautiful family, a successful corporate career, and a fancy company car, he was the poster child for achieving the American dream. But then Richard was called to Bethlehem. World Vision, an international Christian charity that focuses on feeding and caring for poor children in the world, was looking for a new CEO. Even though Stearns had not applied for the job, wasn't interested in the job, the committee charged with the search had prayerfully selected him as a top candidate. As he reluctantly went through the interviews, Stearns struggled with what such a change would mean for his life and prayed in great turmoil for God to please select someone else for the job. But Stearns is one who has been to Bethlehem and seen Jesus in the overwhelming numbers, rampant poverty, disease and hunger among children, millions of children. He could no longer look away from the face in the manger. He moved his family out of their dream home across the country, took a 75% cut in pay, He says he's never looked back. When my daughter was in high school, the mothers of her friends and I vied for the title of the meanest mom on the planet. And I'm proud to say that I won that contest a few times. (laughs) Sometimes in Bethlehem, we have to say no to certain activities and movies, even when it is terribly embarrassing for a teenager. Sometimes we're called to spend our money in crazy ways give up a vacation to go on a mission trip, or turn down what the world thinks is the opportunity of a lifetime. In Bethlehem, we can learn some important clues about what God thinks is important. And first of all, that's you. You're important to God. Your name is on the birth announcement list. God is your shepherd and loves and cares for you. God is with you in all things, even in the darkest valley. The message delivered by angels in Bethlehem is a message to all of us. We are the people God favors, the ordinary people to whom the good news is delivered. Jesus, our Messiah, our Lord and our Savior, is here, real and present in our lives. Alleluia. And that means we have a new freedom. Our old ways, our old priorities can be left behind. And we can forget about the things the world worries about. It isn't about accomplishments, prestige, riches, and fame. These things are meaningless to God. We are free, free to let them go, free to stop comparing ourselves to our neighbors, free to make different choices, and to go against the tide of popularity when it's the right thing to do. Priest and writer Henry Nouwen, in his book, The Dance of Life, says, We will never find our vocations by trying to figure out whether we are better or worse than others. We are good enough to do what we are called to do. 
In a small, ordinary podunk town long ago, nothing happened as anticipated. In fact, all the world's expectations were violated. There, the impossible occurred in the most unexpected fashion. The creator of the universe made human in the form of a helpless baby boy. It's here that our lives can become crazy and joyous and new because it is here that we meet Jesus in Bethlehem. Alleluia.